my sweet friends. I feel so fortunate that you're joining me for season two of the Failing Awesomely podcast. My hope is that you can find encouragement while listening to my personal stories of overcoming life's obstacles, whether you're chasing big dreams or just trying to make it through the day as a mama of little ones. I'm excited to bring my friends along to inspire you with their stories as well. Let's empower one another to stop selling ourselves short, stop the negative self-talk, and focus on what makes us awesome, because we all are. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, and it's time we start believing that. Welcome back to the Failing Awesomely podcast. I'm Lindsay Garcia, and today I have the privilege of sharing with you my awesome interview with Sarah Levy from The Sassy Sober Life. In this episode, Sarah shares her story of being in and out of recovery for the past 10 years and how she went from believing she was a failure to finally feeling free in her recovery. She talks about how the stigma of addiction can keep people stuck for so long, herself included. But she found relief and a calling when she was open and honest about her sobriety to herself, to her friends and family, and through her amazing Instagram account, Sassy Sobriety, which is linked in the show notes. Through that account, she has been able to share all of her struggles, the good, the bad, the ugly of her journey, and really grow accountability and inspire other people. The sober community has been deeply impacted by Sarah in such a short period of time, and I can't wait for y'all to hear our time together. Sarah is so relatable. She's down to earth and fun and entertaining. You're going to love her. So please welcome Sarah Levy to the show. Say what you want. All I hear is Sarah, thank you so much for being on Failing Awesomely. I appreciate it so much. You guys can find Sarah, the sassy sober life.com or sassy underscore sobriety 32 on Instagram. That's where we unofficially met is on Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've just, I've loved all the connections that I've made since becoming sober. And you are definitely up there. And on one of the, one of the people that I've unofficially met that I just absolutely love you are a great account to follow for sobriety, encouragement, hilarious theatrical reels, which we're going to talk about, and just real raw authenticity about your journey. And I just love that so much. So if anybody is listening who has been sober curious, or you've been on a sober journey for a while, or you're still questioning your relationship with alcohol, Sarah is a great person to follow. And I will have every way that you can follow her linked in the show notes. But Sarah, I would love for you just to start out just telling us a little bit more about yourself, maybe a little bit about your relationship with alcohol and what led you mm-hmm. to sobriety. Yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so, I'm very happy of the friendship that we have formed via the sober community on Instagram. It's really changed a lot for, I feel, a lot of people, including myself. So I'm definitely thankful for that. Well, My story is, it's a, it's a long, I've been in and out of recovery and sobriety for over 10 years. I started drinking kind of normal, typical high school things, sometimes parties on the weekends. I didn't really drink that much in high school. 
um, at all. Um, but then when I turned 18, I got a fake ID. And then from 18 to 21, I was just out at the bars pretty much every single weekend. Um, also my first job was in the service industry. And if anybody who's been in the service industry knows that whole life, yes, exactly. Revolves around drinking. Like you run around crazy because it is super stressful. You have all your tips, you go blow it after work and, and drink and everything. It's all parties and all your friends on the bars and, you know, the bartenders. And that's just kind of what I grew up knowing at a young age. And then also going to the bars, um, with my fake ID and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So my drinking kind of progressed when I was, uh, you know, in my late, late teens. So in my, in the 19 year old, um, range. When I was 20, I went through a, a traumatic experience um, with a sexual assault from a coworker. And I won't go into too much detail about that. But um, after that happened, I fell into a, a super weird depression, not a weird depression, I fell into a depression. Um, I didn't know how to handle it. I was having a lot of conflict of was this my fault? Even though I knew it wasn't my fault, um, I was blaming myself for it, but I was also blaming him. I didn't know how to, how to handle it. So I became really good at pushing my emotions down, pushing my feelings down. And I just, uh, pushed them away and just kind of lived my life because if I didn't talk about it, if I didn't address it, it never happened yeah, right. type of thing. Uh, yeah. And then that also goes along with my perfectionist, uh, attitude. I don't, I don't know where I got the whole perfectionism thing from. I really don't, but I am a ex pro perfectionist. <laughs> like, I, love it. I, you know, the phrase fake it till you make it is, um, I used to say it all the time when I was younger and now I absolutely despise that phrase. Cause I think it's actually really bad advice. Um, yeah. not just for people in, in recovering sobriety in life in general, you know, but kind of, you know, fast forward a little bit. So I'm not talking too long about my journey. Um, when I was freshly 21, I got a job at a really um, popping bar in downtown. It was in the entertainment district. So it was uh, lots of nights till four o'clock in the morning, working, working doubles. It was just the bar entertainment club life. And then the first time I ever thought I actually had a problem with alcohol where it hit me is when I was 21, six months after I turned 21, I got a DUI. Mm. Very thankful for it. Um, Cause that was the first little tic-tac in my head that said, I think you have a problem with alcohol. Um, Cause at that point I was drinking every day. Cause it was normal. That's what I did. At, we did at the bars that we did after work, my social circle, that's it's normal. And then you also see in, in normalized society, like that's what you're supposed to do when you're 21. You're supposed to go partying and binge drink and, and shots everywhere. And, uh, so I was definitely living that life. But when I got my DUI, I had to do something called diversion, which in the state of Oregon, um, you go to, it's kind of like an out intensive outpatient treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, so you um, go to these classes like two times a week. Uh, you have to go to AA meetings and get signatures that you attended them. And that is where I first got introduced to AA. Okay. And when I was in, yeah, when I was in the rooms of AA, I felt super comfortable. I felt like, like I belonged. And that's kind of where the progression of 
I was like, I, I think I have a problem with alcohol, hearing all these people's stories and their shares and everything. And I was, I had a lot of re- <clears throat> relations with that, but I'm 21. I don't look like an alcoholic. I can't have an alcoholic. I can't be an alcoholic. It's just a phase. I'm going through a phase. Yeah. Not a phase. Nope. Not a phase. (laughs) Can totally relate. So I, yeah, it's, it's not a phase. You don't grow out of it. And, um, you know, the disease of, of alcohol addiction is a progressive disease. You know, maybe had I taken care of it early, maybe I want to be where I am today, but also at the same time, I'm where I am today, where I need to be today. Um, addiction, um, alcoholism also runs in my family on my uh, maternal side of my mom's side of the family. And so I kind of had also a little fun predisposition to say the least pretty much up until, uh, I got married at 27 I was just doing the typical normal life, not normal life. I was living my life, but I was a binge drinker. Mm-hmm. I binge, 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 um, go weeks and weeks without drinking. And then I would start, you know, on a bender and then I would stop. And then I would, you know, once I started, I just wanted to keep those shots going or those glasses of wine. Um, towards the end, when I was 29 is when I first entered treatment for the first time. Um, it was pretty much an ultimatum with my ex-husband. Um, and at that time, at that point I was, my drinking had progressed a lot. Um, it was pretty much every night and binge drinking. And because I, I fell into such the hamster wheel of drinking. Also, I wasn't dealing with my depression. I wasn't dealing with my anxiety. I was stuck on the hamster wheel and I didn't know how to get out. And went to treatment. I was ready. I really wanted to get sober. I was really pumped for it. Um, I was really scared. So I went to treatment. It was a really great experience. Um, and I kept, I was sober for probably about four months after my first, uh, vacation to treatment. And I, I relapsed. Um, it wasn't quick. It was very small. And I didn't understand why I was relapsing. I didn't understand it. And then I was really, really depressed in my marriage. Um, I was not happy. It had gotten to the point that I suppressed things for so long that I didn't feel anything inside. Like I was just going through the notions of like, oh, I'm smiling. Oh, I'm happy. Oh yes. I love you. Oh, this, but I didn't feel anything my marriage started to deteriorate, which I knew. And then, um, a year, a little over a year later, I went to treatment again for the second time. And while I was in, that one was another good experience too, as well. But while I was in treatment, um, that is when my ex-husband decided that it was the best time to tell me that we were getting a divorce. Thankful. I was in treatment when that happened because I was around supportive stuff, but also when I left treatment, um, all my stuff had already been packed up. I had no home to go to like my home. I ended up moving in with my parents, but like my ex-husband packed up all my stuff. I went, you know, I had the rug pulled out from under me yeah. and I was not prepared for that. And I relapsed fast, like really fast after that. Cause I didn't care. I, I said, screw it. I checked, I checked out. I said, do you know what? This is the life I'm meant to live. I obviously am a failure. I can't, you know, keep my marriage. I can't do this. I'm just, I'm, I know I'm an alcoholic and 
we don't deserve good lives. We deserve to be miserable people, be sad and just live in this hopeless hellhole. And that's what I believed. Um, so I ended up, uh, yeah, drinking. Um, I ended up leaving my parents' house because of my drinking. Um, it, my parents couldn't handle it anymore. And I moved in with my ex-boyfriend and he, he did help me get sober. Like he, he didn't give up on me. So I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, our relationship did not work out. Um, but you know, he, he did a lot for me. He didn't, um, give up, but about the past year, once COVID hit and I lost my job from COVID, I feel like that tested a lot of people who are in recovery. Um, totally. I, yeah, I was, I was in and out of recovery for like over like the past year I was going to AA meetings and like all this stuff. I was quitting. I was like, I'm going to quit. And then I relapsed and I quit and I relapsed. Um, and then COVID hit and I lost my job from COVID, not from drinking, but from COVID. And I had so much time on my hands and boredom is the death of me. Um, <laughs> and it got to the, yeah, it got to the point where I was, um, I was hiding bottles all over the house. I was, um, multiple trips to the store to get wine. Um, it was never just one. Um, and it got to the point where I was drinking to blackouts every time there was like, I'd be fine, fine, fine. And then you take that one sip, you pass that threshold and you're done. Like it's blackout. Um, and that's how all my drinking started to progress. And then because alcohol is a depressant, I, became worse and worse and worse in my depression. I've had suicidal ideas in the past. Um, I've, uh, tried to take a crap ton of pills in the past, ended up throwing them up every single time. Um, and then about seven months ago, I got to the point where I was hoping I was drinking because I was hoping I would drink enough that I wouldn't wake up the next morning. That's where it became. That's how that's how lost I became. And that's how hopeless I became. I literally would go to bed. I'm going to make myself cry. Just, I haven't really spoken about this before. Um, but I would go to bed every night, hoping I wouldn't wake up in the morning. Oh, Sarah. And I don't know what happened, but on February 26, 2021, um, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I was so drained. I, just, I started to panic because I, I was looking, I was like, I'm 32. I'm about to be 33. If I did die tomorrow, I would look back on my life and I would be so upset. I would have nothing to be proud of. And then the universe just smacked me on the back of the head and said, you need to get sober. I, the universe, when I think, say the universe, I honestly think it's my great, it's my grandma. Um, Aww. my, I think my grandma's one that smacked in was like, Sarah, knock off the sh- and like, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't do this, um, right now, like, you know, this, you're not going to live. And I had at that point, um, pretty much thought I was like, I'm probably going to live till 37. Like I already had that in my head wow. that 37 would be probably the age that, that everything would dissipate from my life. But yes, yeah, so I don't know. Something smacked me, something clicked. I was nursing one of the worst hangovers ever. Cause I was coming off like a week and a half of a binge. And then, um, that night I started my 
I, I don't know what made me decide this, but I said, I'm going to start an Instagram account, um, kind of as my diary. I wanted to use it as a, as a diary, as an accountability page. Um, and I started it. And if you look back on my first post, it's so just like, my name is Sarah. (laughs) This is me. I'm an alcoholic. uh, uh, uh." And then I posted it and then it just kind of, uh, took off from there. And it's honestly, it's changed my recovery so much because I've met people like you and so many others out there. And the community is so big out there. And one of the reasons that I, I speak the way that I speak and just kind of say what's on my mind is because it is, it's like, I'm a middle schooler, like writing my feelings in my diary, like Blaine doesn't like me. Oh my God. I have a crush on him. Um, but it's, it's like, um, I wish that somebody was more honest and open in my past recovery, because in the past, a lot of people made it seem like rainbows and butterflies and not the real, like the real recovery. And, um, so now, recovery. yes, cause it is, it's nitty, it's gritty. It's not pretty. It's not rainbows and butterflies and chocolate chip cookies, but you know, and I just decided, I said, if I'm trying to, t- I'm now treating it. Like if I'm talking to past Sarah, if there's another past Sarah out there, I want to tell her what I know now. And so, and then I started sa- the sassy sober life, uh, six months ago on Thursday. And, um, awesome. now I'm here. <laughs> yes. And girl, I just want to, to say to you, thank the good Lord you're here because <laughs> you have helped so many people your, I mean, you've only had your account for less than six months and it has blown up and people are just loving you. You're real. You're authentic about it. And it is, that is the reason that other people can be kept accountable and say, okay, if Sarah can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful for you. And so grateful that you shared that with me. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I need you to know that because you have such a unique purpose and you are absolutely using that purpose in the way that you should. So keep doing what you're doing. It is oh, incredible. You. You're me cry. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, well, you deserve to hear it, girl. Seriously, you deserve to hear that. And you need to know that for sure. So what have you learned, especially this time around? What have you learned the most or what? What has helped you the most to stay sober? So this journey is so different than my past journeys in the, in over 10 years. And the, one of the things that I realized is that, yeah, in the past I had, I stopped drinking. I did the notion of stopping drinking. I was going to meetings. Um, I was, you know, working my steps or whatever I was doing the motions, but I wasn't doing the internal work. Mm. Also, I still had my walls up. I still had my perfectionist stuff in there. I was hiding the fact to my friends that I had a problem with alcohol. I wasn't being open and honest about it. Um, so I still was doing these old, these bad habits um, and trying to incorporate them still in sobriety. And you actually have to work on so much more than just stop drinking. Um, you need to find, you need to work on your, your mental health, on your anxiety, your depression. Like you need to learn boundaries. You're pretty much rerouting your whole like 
you know, mental capacity and your feelings and, and learning to grow up. And, um, as my ex said, he kept saying, he goes, you, you keep carrying a gigantic bag of rocks uphill. Aren't you tired? And I was like, yeah, I am. And I, and I let, and I honestly, I, and that's what, right before I started the page, I let the bag of rocks go and I'm not kidding. It just felt like such a relief to let that go. And then I just started being honest with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I started being honest with other people. I started working on the whys I'm doing this and, um, also telling myself of, of self-love that I do deserve this life. I deserve happiness. I deserve to do the things that, um, I want to do because I thought of myself as such a bad person, but honestly, looking back, I'm not a bad person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was a crappy person when I was drinking, but take away the booze. I'm actually, I'm actually a pretty cool person. Like, you know, and, (laughs) and, and I'm not trying to be like conceited or anything, but if, if I saw, you know, somebody else like me, I'd be like, yeah, you deserve a good life too. I don't know why you don't think you do. Um, but, uh, just letting go of everything and being honest, honest with yourself, not hiding it, being vocal. And a lot of people can't do that. And that's fine. You know, I'm just a very outgoing person. Um, so it works for me, but yeah, once I let that bag of rocks go of that tiny bit of denial of maybe I could control it, maybe I could moderate it, maybe a magic wand will happen or a red or blue pill, like the matrix or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Once I realized that, you know, no Prince Charming is going to come save me. It's me. I have to do it. Um, it, it changed everything. And it's just that tiny shift in mindset. And that's how I know that this journey is a permanent journey and is going to stick because this has felt like nothing in the past before. I love that. You just gave so, so much inspiring wisdom right there and everything that you just said, Sarah, and I can completely 100% relate because for me, this is the longest I have been sober. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 16 probably, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I, I can completely agree and relate to it was never, I could always go back to alcohol because I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Keeping my, my little sobriety to myself. And really for me, and like you have kind of tapped on to explaining as well, sometimes your mentality when you become sober is, well, maybe I just have to do this for a little while until I can learn to just have one a couple Mm -hmm. times a week. Because mm-hmm. wouldn't that yeah. be a joyful life? If we could just of have course. one, a couple, one yeah. or two, a couple times a mm-hmm. week, it would be amazing. But once I really wrapped my head around the fact that that probably wasn't going to be a reality for me mm-hmm. and I needed to do what was best for my health, because for, for me, for my story, which all my listeners already know, adding on breast cancer on top of that, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. something's got to, you know something's got to give. I've got to really make my health a top priority. And I have Mm -hmm. little kids, like I've got to do it. So telling my husband, my mom and my best friend first was huge. Mm -hmm. And opening up on my podcast and on social media has literally kept me sober. 
Yeah, it, it truly does. Cause you're holding yourself accountable, but also you have, um, it's not really other people holding you accountable, but it's their inspiration and their mm-hmm. support that you're like, yes, you know, yes. like this is keeping me sober. I have somebody on this tiny screen that if I'm having a crappy day, I can post something about a stupid trigger that, that I had because somebody cut me off in traffic and I'll have 50 people being like, oh man, I've been there before, you know, yep. and it's, Absolutely. it's crazy. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, especially in, in your case, you have so many people looking to you for that strength and mm-hmm. that, that really puts, I, I mean, I don't, maybe you, maybe you would say that puts a little bit of pressure on you, but I wouldn't necessarily even call it pressure. It just kind of puts this like really cool, um, kind of nice. I don't, I'm, the words like power pressure <laughs> coming into my it mind. Puts, That's it not... puts motivation. It, well, it motivates yes. me so much more. Yes. Um, you know, cause it's, it's, I never thought my page, I never thought people would want to hear what I had to say. Um, and I, I'm very honored that everybody that not everybody, but there are some that like to hear what I have to say and they can relate to that. And that is just like, if I can help one person become sober and stay sober or get off their, you know, relapse track or something like that is, I don't know, that's something that just makes me feel good because I know what it was like to be there. And yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I hundred percent. So like we just talked about, you've only had your Instagram for about six months and you have had tremendous growth did you anticipate this kind of growth and community that you've developed and in the short period of time? And I mean, what do you think about it all? Um, I'm really shocked. Um, again, I, I don't think I'm some like crazy, like I, I started the page as a diary and I wasn't expecting to be at where I am today. It's actually really shocking. Um, I'm very thankful for it. Um, because obviously I'm, I'm saying stuff that people can relate to. Um, and I know I was looking for that in the past. So, uh, yeah, I know I didn't, I didn't think, I thought I was going to get maybe like 200 followers, create a small little community and we'll be our little community buds. And then, um, it's actually very amazing to me how many, sober people there are out there who are now being open and honest and creating such a community with it. It's so empowering and it's amazing because all these people are coming out and being like, do you know what? I'm going to own myself. Um, I want to be a part of this community. I want to be some support. Like I know what you're going through. And it's just, it's amazing that I'm so happy that I'm, well, I'm so happy. There's so many out there that are being open and have their IG and following and doing living their authentic lives. It's just, it's so awesome because a lot of the times we think that we're in this alone and that there's not a, and that there's not a lot of people like us and there's not a lot of people who know what we're going through. And then, um, because of the stigma and the stereotype with it, nobody wants to admit it (laughs) or start Instagram pages because of it. I know that I've lost friends because of it. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's people like you and a lot of other people on here are giving a voice to sober, the sober community and people who are struggling with, uh, substance use disorders and addictions or however you want to label yourself. 
Um, and it's, it's something that needs to be brought to attention that it's, it is a disease. Uh, it is a disease. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. So I don't know where I was going with that, but, <laughs> I no, but you're um, right but about yeah. everything. Yeah. What, what kind of pushback have you gotten from friends or even maybe family members? I don't really hang out with anybody anymore. Um, and that kind of actually started towards the end of my drinking and then also COVID and everything. Mm. Um, but I know that a lot of my girlfriends are living their own lives. Um, I did have one like near and dear best friend who just didn't agree with my life. And she sent me a message a while back saying that she'll cheer me on from afar. Um, but she we're both just on different paths. And that, that was when I was drinking. Um, and so I understand that, but she sees my page. Um, that is something that is actually really heartbreaking to me because I've known her since I was in kindergarten. Um, but I haven't really gotten any pushback really. My, my family is super supportive. Um, my brother and sister are still, um, I've, I've hurt them a lot in my drinking. So they're still, they still have their walls up a little bit, you know, they're being cautious, um, but they are still super supportive. So are my parents. Um, the only pushback I've really gotten is, um, my friends assume because I don't drink that I can't go out and do things. So I don't Mm -hmm. get invited to go out to places that could have alcohol there. And some people can't, and that's fine, but um, people, people shouldn't, people shouldn't assume that, you know, um, but I, I get, uh, little trolls every now and then in my inbox, you know, talking about how I'm doing recovery wrong and I shouldn't be telling people that. And, um, you know, this way is the only way to do it. And you shouldn't be advertising mocktails and and stuff like that. And, and it's just like, do you know what it, everybody's different. And I mean, that's only the push, that's only the pushback, but no matter what, no matter who you are, there's always going to be keyboard cowboys on the other end, (laughs) not agreeing with what you have to say. Keyboard Um, cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. Keyboard cowboys. And, um, you know, it's easy to meh on somebody when they're behind a little screen, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the only pushback, but I'm, I'm not a professional. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm not a licensed addiction specialist. I'm a professional in my past journeys and my current recovery. And I do have a little bit experiences of taking two vacations to treatment and being in and out of AA for a long time. So I have a, I have a little bit of knowledge, but um, I know a thing or two. I, yeah, I just share, (laughs) I share the knowledge that I have. I love sharing knowledge of just everything, whether it's stuff about world war two or recovery or just stuff that I have in my head. I'm like, Hey, do you want to hear about this? And so that's just what I do. I'm yeah. People can take it how they want to. It could work for them. It could not work for them, but absolutely. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not, a, I you know, know. I'm and you <laughs> don't advertise to be. So I thought it was, funny. Yeah. I actually saw one of the comments on one of your recent posts saying that you shouldn't, you know, you're, you're just hiding behind a mocktail and that's going to make you want to drink or it said something along those lines. And yeah. you were so gracious. You were like, thank you for your input. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and it's actually funny because my post tomorrow is actually about that, about romantic. Um, he was talking about romanticizing alcohol, that doing Ooh. mocktails is still romanticizing. Um, and that's a, that's a whole other subject. But the thing is, you know, if that person's doing their recovery their way and they can't do mocktails, that's 
fine, but there are people that can do mocktails and it doesn't trigger them. And I've been very vocal about if you decide to do the alcohol-free, non-alcoholic, you know, journey, you need to have self-awareness. If you have triggers, you need to stop. It's not for everybody. You know, I have certain like beverages that are like energy drinks that trigger me. Like I was drinking a peach, a peach energy, like yerba mate drink the other day and the peach flavor triggered me and I dumped it out right away because I it just it brought me back to something and I was like oh my god (laughs) can't do that yeah it can be it can be anything it's not like you know just because it is a mocktail it's not going to trigger you but yeah that's yeah no I totally agree I feel so strongly about that that I mean and again like you said to each their own everybody's recovery looks different for me Mm -hmm. The fact that I have the option of a, making a mocktail or a non-alcoholic drink of some sort helps mm-hmm. me to not grab the real thing. Yeah. And I think people get so pointed on with labels. If you think about it, uh, alcohol-free, uh, a mocktail is just a bunch of juices and mixers and sparkling <laughs> water. It's yeah. like, you don't even have to call it that. You could just call it like a normal beverage. If it's you just want a refreshing to. drink. It's a refresh. It's a refresher. Like, you know, it's yes. a refreshing drink. And so like you hear, you could add, I could sit there and have my iced coffee and say like, Oh, this is a mocktail, you yeah, know, true. Cause, <laughs> cause there are iced coffee cocktails. Like I, you know, true. it's just, it's kind of like a label thing. You know, you can call anything a mocktail and Absolutely. you can add alcohol to anything and call it a cocktail. <laughs> like, you know, that is such a good perspective. I love that. I'm going <laughs> to use that if I ever have to. <laughs> Your reels on your Instagram, I keep talking about them, but they really, really are amazing. So for ev- anybody listening, definitely go to Sarah's Instagram to check out some of her reels. They're awesome. You, they're gold. You are the queen of them. And before you even posted recently that you have a theater background, I wondered, I'm like, does she, did she do theater or does she just really enjoy going to the theater pre-COVID? Mm-hmm. And so please talk about number one, please, please rewind us back in your life to talk about your, um, theater, the, your time in theater, and then how that oh. kind of <laughs> went into, um, your reels because they're just so good. So I always have been like a performer, I guess I did dance when I was young. I did ballet. And then I, I was part of like the children's theater, uh, when I was a kid, like for a hot second, I don't fully, fully remember it. Um, but then I started taking drama classes in middle school and I also just fell in love with musicals. And, um, one of the reasons was, is, uh, Matthew uh, Broderick, actually, I was part of his fan club when I was like younger. I was just like in love with him. But he's also, he does musical theater too. And I started Mm -hmm. buying his like uh, albums, like How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And then I just fell in love with it. And also my, um, one of my good friends, the one who we kind of separated ways uh, a little bit. um, She, we grew up doing theater together and, and acting and just loved it. And then in high school, I got involved in in theater still and was working at all the musicals and in the musicals and working on the plays. And I used to, you know, 
Broadway was like a big dream of mine, but I do not have the vocals to do it oh. at all. Uh, <laughs> I can carry like a note. And then like after that hot second, everyone's like, oh God, oh no, <laughs> cover your ears. <laughs> um, no, but I just love performing and being a little theater kid. And then um, I just love musicals because they, they turned into my escape for a long time. I could just lay in my room and listen to musicals and just get lost in the music. And it really became a coping skill for me and just uh, just to check out of, of, of life for a second, just imagine a life of, of magic and, <laughs> and yes. tap dancing and, and all that stuff. Um, and the vocals are just pretty. But yeah, so I, you know, yeah, I did musical theater in high school and and then uh, realized that I would have majored in theater uh, and history in college but, uh, I realized I didn't want to be a teacher <laughs> usually where both those, where both those degrees end up. You're like, yep. you're either a history teacher or a theater teacher. I was like, yeah, no. So I did the, the logical thing and I went to beauty school. So, <laughs> Hey, you, um, you yeah, can still so use it now for your Instagram. I know. And platform. I, and I have, I've been, yeah, I've been in the beauty industry since I was 18, but, uh, yeah, no. So I just love musical theater. And so my reels, they're just, um, I get theater songs that I'm sure everyone, it's so funny. Whenever I post a musical theater reel, I look at my follower count and I see it like go down because people probably get so annoyed that I post reels about with musical theater numbers. It just, it makes me laugh, but I do it for like, they make my day. I do it for myself. Like mostly like for me, like, you know, I'm just like, it's super fun. And this is a good uh, song, but I'll be driving in the car and I listen to my playlist in the morning and I'll just hear a, a phrase or a chorus in a song. And then it just like pops in my head. And I'm like, oh, actually that relates to sobriety. And actually that's pretty funny. And actually that's, you know, type of thing. And then I do my musical theater reels and expose everybody to the the world of musical theater and, and <laughs> oh how I love that so much <laughs> yeah so it just yeah I I will not stop posting music I'll do Please other don't. reels from time to time but man the, that musical theater is my like it's my soul man <laughs> I love it and you I mean you do not spare anything with those reels, but you make them look so effortless. And what I love about you too, for, for anybody who is in need of accounts to follow, what I love is you are so consistent with your content. You put out multiple posts a day and share mm-hmm. so much to encourage people and make people laugh and make people feel less alone in their sobriety. And I think that that is why you've grown so quickly because people know if I need to pick me up or if I'm feeling like a a little down today, or if I feel like I could drink today, they could seriously go to your page and have so much inspiration, so much encouragement, so much laughter just from your page alone. So thank you. (laughs) Yes, of course. I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that we found each other online and that I have you to, to look to on those days because there are, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this, but there are still days I want to drink. Yeah, me too. You know, it's always going to be there. No matter how long of sobriety that you have, you're going to have those days. I had, I had a couple like last week that I just couldn't shake. I didn't, 
I didn't want to actually physically drink. Like I was thinking of the taste of wine that I used to drink. And I was like, that sounds absolutely disgusting, but I want to drink for, for some reason. And it's, they just, it just happens and it'll come. And I've known people who have been sober for years and years and years, and they still get those from time to time. It's, I just, it's never going to go away. I feel like in a way it's just, uh, um, our minds kind of saying like, we still want to fit in with society mm-hmm. in a way, you know, okay. like, Oh, I see on T yeah. Oh, I see people on Instagram going to happy hour and having a margarita. I wish I could do that. Yeah. You can do that. Just, it's just an alcohol free. It's just a uh, margarita mix, but yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's, margarita I feel like it's that just put in like a lime, uh, yeah, exactly. water or something. Yeah. But I, I feel like it's a little bit, we're always going to have that FOMO, that fear of missing out. And I think that just is, it's going to trout. It's going to carry with us forever. So it will, but I think it does get easier with time too. knowing. I think you get stronger Mm -hmm. every single day and you learn more every single day. And if you surround yourself with people who understand what you're going through and you get a community, whether it's online, like what we have, or it's an AA or what, whatever form Mm -hmm. of, um, of support that you need, that is what is going to help you and give you the resources and, and the, the correct clear-minded coping skills to be able to be successful at this. And that's what I know you are promoting all the time. And that's what Mm -hmm. I want to promote by talking about it on my podcast and, and on social media too. And, um, yeah. And I just, I, I know I'm grateful for you and I know other people, (laughs) um, where do you see this fast growing platform going in, in, the months or years to come? I haven't, I haven't really thought about it that much. Um, I think for me, I just, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, just post what's, what's on my mind, what I'm feeling. Um, if I had an idea that gets to my head, I get inspiration from, from others on here too, as well. And I always give credit where credit is due. Um, if somebody gets a spark in my head, I will always give them credit for inspiring that post. What I really want is as the stigma and the stereotype of addiction and alcohol use disorder, again, whatever you identify with has kept so many people suffering for a long time. And I know it kept me suffering for a long time. Um, because there is the shame that goes with it. There's the guilt, there's the judgment, there's the fear And I want, and I think the community is doing a really good job at at promoting it and showing, and these statistics are now coming out, you know, like there was more alcoholism deaths than COVID deaths this last year. I think, uh, uh, I can't remember who posted it, uh, Jenna or, um, your sober bestie, your sober bestie. She posted that. And that was just like mind blowing and, and women's, uh, alcohol consumption went up, I think it was like 80% during COVID and insane. It's insane. And the thing is addiction can happen to anybody. It's not like it's a progressive disease. I know that I had a woman who I went to treatment with who she was 30, she's 36. She hadn't drank at all. And then she went through a divorce at 36. And within a year, she had a full blown addiction to alcohol. Yep. That's how alcohol manipulates the mind. And it did, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the full spectrum of it, but it is a, a progressive disease and it depends on how heavy you drink and how long and 
there's so much that goes into it, but, mm-hmm. um, I think my whole thing is I just want to keep, keep just showing what recovery is and how you can live a really, you can live a great life in recovery. You're not missing out on anything. You can recreate your life, no matter what traumatic events you've gone through, no matter what's happened in your past. Um, I think one of the, one amazing thing is I've had friends who have reached out to me that I used to go to high school with or new in college or old coworkers who've reached out to me and were like, can we talk? Yep. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, and it's giving people courage to, to talk about their problems and, and say, what can I do or, or how did you do it? And showing that, I mean, honestly, I, again, I had my death date already at age 37, you know, 37, 38. And so I feel like if I can, and pull myself out. A lot of people can. Um, and I just want to, I just want to let people know that you're not a, a faulty person for having this and you can change your life. Anybody yeah. can, whether you have an addiction or not, you can pull up your bootstraps and you can, you can recreate your life. Amen. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being on my show. Oh, like I said, in the, of course, like <laughs> I said in the beginning of the episode for everybody listening, I will have every way you can find Sarah in the show notes, follow her and you're, you're just going to be entertained and supported and inspired all the way. So oh, thank you, so girl. <laughs> thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Failing Awesomely. For all the ways that you can get in contact with Sarah, learn more about her story, and follow along with her journey, go to the show notes wherever you're listening to the podcast, and all of the information will be right there. If you thoroughly enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would take a little bit of time to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I cannot wait to start bringing you guys episodes every two weeks now. I'm going to take a little bit of a step back and release episodes every two weeks. It really fits my schedule a little bit more right now, and I will explain why in in an upcoming future episode. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for all of you for joining me on this crazy ride of this podcast. I I enjoy it so much. It is something that I look forward to doing, but this is a year that I need to soak up some extra time with my babies before my oldest starts school full time next year. So I just want to be a mama and, and take the time to really be intentional about time I can't get back. So I'll be talking about that, like I said, on a future episode, probably within the next few weeks. Be well, be awesome, and have a great day, guys.